0: Huge space! Look how fast he's going. Polar opposite to the conditions he won in Lords. Rain so close. Getting the last step down. The crowd is roaring. He is going to do it. He's going to smash the time. Oh.
1: Downhill racer and our expert here today, Andrew Niedling.
0: All right, sports fans, welcome back. This is Moving Needle Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Niedling, but you hopefully know a little bit about that. Welcome back. This is the Crank Brothers race review. It'll be with me. And I'm joined alongside Sven Martin. He's not had a lot of sleep because we've had quite the hectic start to the World Cup Series. Now, Crank Brothers is synonymous with downhill racing. Last year, celebrating 11 years in a row of the elite World Champs title, that Mallet DH pedal. Now, Sven will jump in like he did last time and say, well, we're not even talking about Sam Hill, who also had a World Champs or 16 on the flat pedal. So, guys, Crank Brothers have been adding to their product offering. We saw a lot of guys in the field this week. Bernard Kerr, Lucas Shaw, who we'll get to, Laurie Green, and both of those guys had standout rides. What about Cammy? Jeez, she was firing in the women's category. Sven Martin,
1: when did you get to bed? Um, 5, 5 a.m., or roughly. 5 a.m. <clears throat> so, yeah, that's when you get to bed, but then you're so wired from being up and coffee and trying to stay up. And, uh, oh, shit, I just committed the ultimate. Uh, um, anyway, sorry about that, Andrew. That's all right. You know, um, I've literally uh, hired
0: out this conference room with audio walls and ceiling. I mean, it's better than my home office. So. Uh,
1: and then I forget to turn off my notifications. Hey, well, you know what, guys? We are
0: coming to you live and free from Lords, And we've had to sort of makeshift... Uh, sort of studio because we both got kicked out of our hotel
1: rooms they weren't going to allow us to record in those. Well um, it's a lovely conference room and conveniently enough literally the door next door is a chapel so uh, not many hotels have stayed in with the chapel but that's lords it's uh, all things holy and sometimes it takes miracles to win a run here as we'll find out later about what the miracle was for Omri.
0: But what a start to a season. I mean, I'm so thankful that I was actually here and I just stood in that finish area taking it all in. I just couldn't believe the fans and sort of the, the finish to the race.
1: Yeah, I was thinking um, literally when those last, you know, ten riders started coming down and, and then the times, you know, Kate had been up on the hot seat for so long and then just consistently the times just... I don't, there, was, for, there was a time when, when almost the, when it, the, the next rider came got the hot seat, but then the next rider bumped him and the next... So it was almost like the qualities were quite indicative of the final result. Um, but what I was thinking then was uh, you can't s- capture the vibe on the live feed and you can't explain it to people and you can't take it in over social media. I would, If, if you're any kind of s- fan of, of mountain biking or specifically downhill racing, which you must be, if you're listening to these um, event wrap-up shows... Um, you want more than what the live feed gets you, but you have to do yourself a favor and get to a World Cup, um, book a bike holiday, and, and you know, um, do it like that. And, and specifically, I would say you have to come to a French R- World Cup. It doesn't matter where it is, and, and this year it'll be it'll be Leger World Champs. And uh, it's it's hard to describe or feel. I I I got goose flesh for that. Moments in the Finnish arena, and that was through no personal connection, or there was no South African or Kiwi or um, coming down. But that vibe that you get, it's it's indescribable, and the passionate passion of the French fans. And I'm actually a bit worried for Leger because I've always been against having like extra security and keeping things like you know the downhill. We have a very we can have a lot of access. Like people are, the riders are have. Fans in there, you know, the, the pit walls aren't always zipped down and, and it's, everything's open to the public. And when they walk from the finish area to the podium, they're just mobbed by crowds. But uh, this is not going to work in, in, in Leger. I'm, I'm like, I'm literally lobbying. They need to have like separate little cordoned off area or fenced off area. And they need to have some proper security because once that once the last ride across the line, um, with these French, you know, they mean well, but there's going to be a problem down the line. That's for sure. Yeah, I it's like be. a stampede. I mean, it's. Um, I couldn't
0: agree more. Like it's the F one of of mountain biking. Yeah, but can you imagine you can if you let the whole down. of
1: the, every fan in the fucking grandstand and run forty thousand of them run onto the, into the finish area and just mob the riders and and the media and, um, the you know they they couldn't get Omri to the the flower ceremony for the live feed and. And someone's going to get trampled. I mean, um, I'm trampling people, and, and I'm, I'm sure I'm going to get trampled.
0: <laughs> no, what I meant was I, I totally agree. I was standing there but standing back, and uh, you could see amari was pumped for the fans. But eventually, he's like, guys, enough is enough. I've got to get to this you know, flower ceremony. But what, what you're right. It's the F1 of our sports, the fastest you can ride a bike down a hill, and it's becoming more mainstream. But it's not F1 yet. We don't want it. That access is what makes it a beautiful sport. Like you can walk up to Loki. He's going to give you the time of day. Like they're not too big for their own boots. And they're actually modern day rock stars in the cycling world and especially in France. I mean, Quali Day, I was, you know, walking down the track. I'm like, these guys are out here already. And then Race Day, the, the... the feeling I had, that middle off-campus section, which was quite a crucial section to the race. I normally don't say, you know, one section can make or break, and it sort of broke it for Miriam and almost broke it for Amri, which we'll get to, but, dude, the atmosphere and the vibe and the intensity because you could hear the crowd down the bottom and all these riders were coming to check their last-minute lines and it made me think, like, downhill is all about getting everything in a row and if you have to change your line five minutes before the race, because that race is blown, the, r- the line's blown, so be it. And you've got to be able to adapt. Because normally it's like everything's planned, it's methodical, it's just how fast can I hit it, I'm going to get better and better. But this race, lines were changing mm-hmm. left, right, and center. And there were top riders, Finn, uh, Finn being one of them, but Loik, who I was like, you've qualified fastest. You know What's there to doubt? What's there to worry about? He was walking the course after his qualify, which I thought was interesting and then morning of the run, literally name a rider, he stopped and was sussing out that off-campus section.
1: Yeah. No, it's it. it um, what boggles my mind as well, though, taking that even one step further, um, the ability to say you've had a, a winning qualifying run and then you've done your practice run, but there's times when riders are even, they get... Um, uh, a call from the from the pits and there's a report that this line is now gone. So this is a line you might have been on all weekend or you'd qualified on or you did your last practice run on. And these guys are literally going as hard and fast on maybe a line they've never ridden all weekend just because they know where it is, they know where all the lines are. But it's it's you know it's when you when you actually see in person how hard and fast they are committing and riding these lines it's easy to think, oh, you know, I can change line, ride sight and scene, or race enduro. You are kind of riding blind, but but at the pace and the the following knock-on effects of changing your line, the fact that they can make that change so late in the game, or if they blow a line that they can correct, is is a uh, it's pretty impressive. You know, it's um, yeah, that's that's like your mental head 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 game being able to do that.
0: Yeah, and that's what we saw, the guys that were able to adapt and stay calm and stick to the plan. I think Mm. the the mentally strong riders are the guys at the top, being someone that's able to commit to a new line at full race pace after Mm. riding it once. Or I saw a lot of um, us timing these lines. So for the listener out there, I was uh, lucky enough to be on course helping the Scott team. A stopwatch in hand, videos in hand, and and every top team has a has a person or six out there, and depends on the rider. But some riders were told this is the fast line, you can ride it. So change change it, even though they weren't comfortable. I overheard these conversations, mm. and uh, you're right. Um, the guy that was able to deal with the lack of practice, that's a mental challenge, you know. And that's going okay. It's out of my control. Normally, I do five to six runs before timed practice. In Lords, it was more of a challenge to get the guys up the hill. There were long queues. Yeah, that's,
1: that's a huge challenge worth um, talking about, and, and how it affected a few riders even more. So, um, I think the first day people were lucky if they got three runs and two runs the second day, so that's five runs before quality. Now, usually riders are done up to about well eight. Oh
0: plus times. time. Let's let's remember, if you're top 60, you get two runs in time. So you max it out at five if you're in the top
1: 60. A person like Gwen only got three. And then someone like Greg even got less than that. Greg had had three runs in the track before he had to qualify. Um, quite uncharacteristically, he had two, if not three flats, definitely two, Um and when you plan on only doing, um, you know, three runs and one of them is a flat and and then you can't get up, usually you could get to the bottom and just squeeze one more in. Or uh, Here we had um, a funicular um, and it was a pr- pretty bad system. On, on practice of day one, it's an early start, but what you would logically do is start the uplift early when you know there's going to be a, a pinch somewhere in the, in the system and the funicular is, is the pinch. And they literally only started taking riders up at the beginning of practice. So already when practice was open, there were not really a full load of riders up. And then you, um, UCI even have a rule about the minimum uplift capacity that you have to provide to host a World Cup event. And it hasn't really changed. And it was put in place when they had events like South Africa, La Bresse, um, and there was another one we drove up to, Cairns. and I think it's got to be around the, the range of 160 riders per hour. And and they were claiming they got it up to 130, but that was maybe by the end of the day or the second day. They weren't doing even 100 riders um, the first day. They are just packing slow. And then they also weren't allowing staff and media up. Um, so there was a lot of... It was like a learning curve Challenges. on day one. <laughs> and they shouldn't... At this level of the sport, the organisation, the, those things have really, should have been planned out and there should be contingency contingencies you take people up early you open earlier you pack better you have people practicing packing and you squeeze people in underneath the bikes which is what we all figured out how to do it in the second day it, it so and i mean that affected some people's races for sure and and that kind of sucks you know you you do all your work and you go there and expect to be getting x amount of runs because that's what they meant to be able to provide you access to the course and, and it wasn't the case this weekend
0: yeah and that's normally something you say okay it's the same for everyone but it's it, it, not it exactly is, the same not for if you everyone. don't get a flat but, for instance well, so, so flat but what i mean is some it's it's if everyone was told you're only getting three runs mm-hmm. and you like marked it on a number board yeah. then it's fair game but someone okay that just because they didn't have a good season last year now they punished technically at the first race because now you're so Aaron Gwynn's number board seventy-five. It's It was his control last year, right? But now he's almost at the point that, okay, well, I'll not do timed run. That's I'm not allowed to. Fine. But normally he could do as many runs as he wants if he's got a quick turnaround. He could bang out seven runs if he wanted to, right? Yeah, and still do what he wanted And he to doesn't do, do a timed run. He does his own timed run. Now this yes. one, he goes, okay, I'm in the queue as early as humanly possible. Yeah. My mechanic's standing at the queue with spare tires like I'm doing as quick turnaround as I can, but... Physically he could only do three. Yeah. So he's unfortunately not behind lev- the eight ball. It's not a lev- level playing field. Same as Greg. Like it's not Loic's fault Greg got a flat. Yeah. Greg got a flat. So it definitely affected some riders more than others, even if you mentally were strong.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So so that's something that if we come back to here needs to be figured out. And and I don't know how you can figure out, but um, my worry is they're just gonna reduce the field of Daniel. There's gonna be some big changes and um, we'll get into that later, but there were people here and people you guys all know, so we'll we'll talk about that later. But um, I, w- I, w- I worry because n- no one seems to have a say in what changes will be made, and we don't even have a calendar for next year, which is also unheard of um, the year before. Um, but that's secondary to all the racing. Um, I don't know. What, what else to say about Lords. The other only gripe I have... Um, Get them out you didn't of the way. think it would
0: be a podcast without a few <laughs> constructive gripes. But Sven's getting better about
1: communicating them, though. No, this race was, was awesome. Um, and th- there's really nothing bad to say about this race other than the stupid funicular, um, which is quite cool. Um, and the gripe is we're becoming like... take To host an event, you almost need regions to sponsor them, right? So you need government money. Because it's becoming a big production. You can't just have your small, small, people can't just put on events for the sake of it. So you've got other big bike parks or local government, local tourist agencies. So what do they do? We're going to these cool places. Um, Lord's a hugely um, busy, popular town in the Pyrenees. We go to Croatia. I mean, everyone knows about Croatia and the beaches. But what are, what are they doing to us? Ah, we need to up the tourist numbers in the off season. So now we think, oh, we're going to Croatia. Sweet, we go there in bloody March. We we'll go there in April. The water's too even the Mediterranean's too cold to swim. The hotel's pool's are empty. Is there's, this your there's no sun.
0: Gripe, but the the water was too cold. To yeah, swim and the hotel pool was
1: empty. The the point is, why are we we going to these places? They're making us want us to look at good and bring attention to it. And we're going there in the off season. This is like it's the part of the vibe. You 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 know what I mean? Like. Cans was cool because we could. It was warm. We could swim three times a day, and, and then there was a bike race. Have you
0: looked at the weather for this coming weekend in Lords? Because we got insanely lucky, and they're like, "Hey, March is one of the best weather seasons we have compared to April and May." They'll say, but I'm like,
1: we got so lucky. But I've got to say the riders. Um, so so what I'm so my gripe was we're like we've been forced to come to a lot of these places in their off-season to up their off-season numbers, and, and I don't think that's cool. We want full hotel pools, and we want a warm ocean to swim in. If if we're going to be by the ocean, it should be warm by the time we arrive. Um, anyway, that that's kind of semi-serious, um, but I'm just trying to make a point about that. Uh, but talking about the conditions, um, guys that, that that really get fizzing on riding, like um, Reese Wilson, Cade... Loic, those guys would stop by me trackside and they're like this is as good as it gets the dirt stayed they has this little slickness that never goes away in some parts of the track but it also as a result keeps the track kind of loamy and like hero dirt and there's a few bus stops with and the middle off camera section it had dust and hero dirt it, it kind of stayed at just the right consistency not on the time change morning and that's another thing we probably can talk about um because that just stayed dewy, and, and there was quite a few crashes in those early trainings um, as a result of that. Um, Pom Pom was one of them. But um, it, we lucked out consistent weather, and I think what it brought out in this track from what it didn't have in 2017, and maybe, Andrew, you can tell me when you raced here in 16, for a looked like a kind of simple track, I've never seen so many lines... There were so many cool setups and ways to do a section and no right way. Omri um, and um, Loic, the, the, the two fastest guys this weekend, let's say, um, well, Finn, but um, they were on different lines on this just, just at the end of the, just before you get, the end of the gully section, when you exit out, there's a tight left or there's a, wi- a wider left with a big rut, and seeing the top guys do Different runs because it suited their style or their strength. Um, I love seeing that in a track when there isn't a fast line and another line, but where the fast guys find different lines to suit their whole approach to the track. And this this track had a lot of those. You know, um, lots of. It was just really cool seeing how it developed. You know.
0: Yeah, I mean, this track nearly every rider loves it because it's a raw downhill track. It's not a lot of bike park stuff. You mm-hmm. know, they they link it here and there. But it, when I look at it, I think it's got a bit of everything. I hate to say it. It sounds cliche, but this track had almost a bit of everything. You had some fast motorways st- type stuff you had rocks, you had uh, off- camber you had loam, you had slippery rocks you had roots you had the Valde Sol section then like the terrain changes as you go down this mountain in every section then you had in the trees so and you write on the line so I- everyone said how's, how's coaching going How's your job this week I said I didn't want to tell them actually how hard it was because first we walked it we had a you know a base plan um, first day I would, give my opinion or show them some lines or give them options. Next day, they would come to me and say, hey, you told me it was that line. I said, I did yesterday. (laughs) It's a was. It was changing. Um, And then by race morning, it had changed again. And we found a new inside that uh, Loic used. And I didn't agree with it. The rider said, I want to try inside. I said, let's go. Let's do it. I've seen one or two. I'll time it. It didn't look fast. I timed it. I couldn't believe the stopwatch. Where was that? So after the off-camber section in the open where yeah. Pom Pom had an issue, yeah. that very next left. So depending the older lines, you came way faster, which means you would step up way right, yeah, right little... of the rock, and yeah. then you would dive in left. Because everyone had changed and gone a little bit middle to where Pom Pom had an issue, you would kind of come into a section a bit slower, so it was unnecessary to hop up high. So you would kind of go middle, to middle to dive inside, and it was a way shorter. It was like a Sam Hill line. Yeah. And then you could go... Because you weren't looking for a lot of exit speed, actually. Yeah. So normal downhill is set up as wide as you can, and then you can hit the apex at a bit angle. This one was complete opposite, but the stopwatch had to tell me that. So that
1: was yeah. pretty interesting. You know, you brought up Sam Hill lines, and, and we spoke last time that um, Sam and, and maybe even Gwen to some degree can't win riding those kind of lines now because of how the sport and the bikes and s- suspension tires and everything have changed <clears throat> the only person i saw doing i'm gonna say sam hill lines um but somehow basically just going a little bit more inside on to very 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 high speed catch berms like the berm before the first road gap um and it's it's so subtle and and small, yet incredibly hard to do because he's not using the boom to catch and change his direction. I've not seen anybody else ride inside, so with less grip, less support, but with more speed and more exit than than Loris. Um, I saw that today, and I was uh, not today this weekend, and I was like, I was like, that's where he's doing it. He literally is riding a tiny bit off everyone's line and I think maybe that's also allowing him not to because those catch booms get blown and there's holes and, and he's so he's doing that from day one practice so he's feeling comfortable riding a turn with less support but he also knows it's not going to get blown because he's going to be inside of whatever's getting blown but he's riding the line of the track but doing it slightly offline um, so he's choosing literally a harder line and he's able to ride it as fast as the main line and it doesn't get blown and... and um, He didn't make it happen this this weekend, Um, but with a crash, um, yeah, still crazily at the front end of the field, um, which these days, a a crash, it was a slide out, but either which way, you're losing time and you're losing momentum. Um, You know, that was one of the rides of the day that um, didn't get completed to perfection. But I mean, you bring
0: up a great point. He is trying to ride different lines. He's confident in his ability, the bike setup, But that was his demise. That line was different to his line in Quali. I saw him set up and stay outside because that inside was getting blown where he crashed.
1: Okay, so where he crashed is also because he was trying to yeah, hold... Yeah, so that out.
0: inside on that berm...
1: Is that where he crashed? Yeah. Was it there, where I was talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, so before you go oh, shit, under so the bridge, yeah. I just yeah. proved wrong. No, 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 but uh, yeah. it's, it's – oh, No, no, I'll that, was, to that. that. was the it next turn. You that, right. Yeah, no, yeah, that was the next – he crashed just the next section, basically like Yeah, down exactly. There. Yeah, yeah. So um,
0: these guys were adapting their lines. So he had seen the inside was probably blown, tried the outside, might have done it in quali because I saw him in practice just before it. And, and I, I thought there was more support in the outside of the berm think loik did it so this is just before you go under a bridge and you do a gravel road gap yeah um so then loris has decided with his ability he's going to go back to the inside or or maybe just is going to ride the inside but because he's having to go inside of the hole and adapt he goes okay it's blown yeah and he's in race mode he's attacking and that's where these different lines can get you in trouble and ironically you saw it. The back stepped out. He's riding in loose dirt. Not everyone's riding there anymore, and that's, that's more slippery than when yep. he was maybe doing it in practice. Or people have pulled shit onto the track. And same as Samuel, it was almost like you know Samuel's riding inside of everyone, so he's riding in the shit. Yeah, like all the, the loose dirt. All the tire rubber. All the tire rubber on the F one, which on goes N. well a lot of the time, but if it goes south, <coughs> like you're on the ground, and jeez, Loic, uh, not Loic, uh, Loris had a great run. Yeah, he had a, g- a good weekend. He was warming up to it. Qualifying looked a lot, almost perfectly close to our predictions. Um, well, actually, a number of our
1: predictions in all over the show. There's so many they, they that came we were out,
0: which was nice. It is nice to know we're not talking <coughs> absolute horse shit when we come on here. But um, Loris is is that, that's unfortunate for the the season. So we'll obviously just jump maybe into the men, um, and that's tough for his season, even though he salvaged. Um, some good points considering he literally hit the ground in a race run.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah, going to our predictions, um, I've already forgotten what most of them were last week, but I do, like, there's a couple of ones that I'm happy to call. Uh, I said the only person that will disrupt the French washout on the podium would be Finau's. And I think in there, if we listen back, I put Omri for the win and I put Finn for second. Um, and that's exactly what happened here. Um, <clears throat> I was actually very surprised that Loic qualified, like just straight off the bat. He, he was, wow. Well, that was, uh, I went to unexpected because it's Loic um, and he's the World Cup um, overall from last year. But he, coming from practice, he, you know, and that's where maybe the importance of having all those guys on the hill and when he you know, put a qualifier together with so few runs, he was, you know, just steady and and, he, and he's he's just he's strong and his bike looks settled. Um but back to our predictions, we mentioned him. <clears throat> and there's a few other people How we mentioned um we mentioned specifically um how without Troy being here, uh, this track would have suited Troy to the T. I, I he could have had a win here for sure. It, the way he's that little niggly little gritty Th- this track, he's got to be bummed. Sorry, Troy, but this you would have loved this one. But we talked about how the dynamics of when your a rider is missing and how the b riders step up. Now Mark Wallace didn't have a great weekend, um, but Lucas Shaw, new team, uh, Troy not being there, and you know just continued where he left off last year with straight into a podium. And and I was watching the little battle with him and Laurie, because obviously we're going to compare the two. And in quali, I think they were eight and nine. Luca just getting the bump on Ning. On and then here, also, like, less than a second apart and a couple of positions in between. But um, So Luca took the, the Laurie versus Luca battle this race. We'll see who does it at, at uh, Fort William. I think Luca's pretty good there, but so is Laurie. Laurie um, so, yeah, so that was pretty good. And we even mentioned how tough it is to make the French team. And we said, what about little people like Antoine Vidal? um who qualified so well at world champs and then here he i think he qualified maybe six or eighth and then backed it up with the top 10 in race with one of the craziest best scrubs with the finish line drop um that was uh so it's interesting so we were on yeah we were on the money we were on on the on you know on on the trend um with yeah with what we called out last week
0: yeah i mean we didn't have as much time to go through like all the team changes and what that might mean and the psychology behind mm. that. But I did write a big article uh, about that, and I th- said it's going to be a win-win for Canyon and Luca, and 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 I think it it's going to be throughout the season. But to do that at the first race, you know how much pressure that's taken off Luca the team for the rest of the season. So I think like Luca can enjoy be a lot of from r- strength. Yeah, like it's a- insane to land on the podium. First race of the season on a new team—that's great, and it's almost a middle finger to the old team. That's not how Luca rolls. No, no, but and just, and they—I'm just creating and, a little bit of like, you yeah, know, drama. yeah, drama. Yeah, we, we like and, some, we like some drama, and Laurie as well. Great ride. Yes, you're not on the podium or whatever. You're like in seventh. Yeah, and you beat your teammate.
1: But and Laurie you're didn't. On a
0: new bike, it's great for both of them. And I, I thought those team changes were perfect fit, like win-win.
1: But I also we spoke about. Um, people that haven't done a preseason race. And I believe Laurie was one of those guys. So you can do all your testing, but until you're pushing that... And he he, he said, you know, like, he's super happy with his result because it came on a new bike with very little, let's say, prep and effort. And and doing that race run on the bike, which a lot of guys had done two race runs and two weekends um, back-to-back, Laurie didn't... Laurie wasn't at any of those... um, so maybe he maybe should have. So I mean, he was so close to the front end with no race prep. So uh you might they might think about that next year, come into the season with, with some intensity. Um and then uh and then the other thing that we were proven both wrong and right. Um we said uh Pom Pom was maybe gonna be the winner here. She didn't qualify first and she didn't take the winning in the, in the race, but we did speak about how flawless and how few mistakes Cammie makes and how she goes from strength to strength in terms of like her physical ability and, and she's always strong on the bottom of the tracks and, and she doesn't make mistakes. And not making mistakes basically got her the win here. Well, she's had the win three years in a row, the opening round. Um, people said she won last year's opening round, but she won world champs the previous year, which was the opening round. So we shouldn't be surprised when we overlook her for like the whole Valet versus Pom Pom and Tarnier. And, uh, sh- you know, she's now f- well and truly in the conversation when we're talking about wins and, and not just podiums with, with the women. But, um, you know, she didn't have, for the for a race winner, she didn't have... I'm not going to say impressive splits because like her last split was was impressive. But, um, you know, she had fourths, thirds, fourths and seconds at, the, at all the splits, and but with no mistake at all and carrying the, she was the strongest at the bottom of the track. So, um, yeah, three years in a row, first race win. So, she, you know, she's only going to get better and better and better.
0: No, I mean, we did mention that she's one of the the ladies with a win at the first round. And like you've just said, okay, but let's count world champs. It was the first yep. race of a season, so you have to. And um, she's one of the the women to beat. She's not just, oh, the newcomer getting better. But the, the scary thing is she's got the most potential to improve. Still. Still. Yeah. Like still. Like not like, oh, there's your, your capacity. Yeah. Like there's the ceiling. Yeah. Like for Cammy, we don't really know what the ceiling is. Yes. Pom pom, I think is fair. We said she'd be fast. She was fast. She's got all the fastest splits. And she had a huge moment. Sven, you might have missed it because you've actually no, be a- sure. I actually watched that one. But I mean that moment she had. Yeah. And she still had some of the fastest splits to the bottom. That rattled her. You could see afterwards she was kinda riding tight. To, like a crash like that is I mean, she could have really got hurt again with that near crash. Um
1: let's unpack Pom Pom's race day. Um and we'll do the same. True. Yeah, you've got some we'll, yeah, we'll inside do, info we'll do the same there as well with Armory, um, because um, uh, Pom Pom's what was we saw on the live feed. Her like swap out and saving it and somehow saving it. That's essentially what happened to Armory in his run off camera. Um, so Pom Pom first practice run in the morning. So we have time change. Um, it was dark when the first funiculars were going up. The system was now dialed, uh, packing the riders in. Um, so there was no issues there, but. When you plan a race on the time change weekend, um, you have an extra hour of daylight at the end of the day. Uh, come on, you, then you start, if the schedule started at eight every day and now the time changes, so essentially it's starting at seven. Now you're putting on race day, the women and the and the juniors, and you're putting them on a completely different track. It's completely, the dew doesn't wear off. Um, you just start the whole schedule one hour later. You have one hour extra sun in the end of the day. So the fact that – and the team managers brought this up. You say, I wouldn't – they were like, no, that's the schedule, that's the schedule. So – and I'm going to not blame things, but when you get on a track – and this has happened before at um, Andorra, Andorra World Champs. Um, I think there might have been a time change as well. Well, anyway, but the women and the juniors are – always getting hosed with this and when you have a time change weekend it, it's it really shouldn't be acceptable so anyway her first practice run um, she basically on those greased on the greasiness she hit the deck hard just slid out hit the deck hard um, body impact and hit her head like face head like kind of face first um, and we were worried because the end of time end of training came down she hadn't come and she was the only um, Woman that hadn't come down, and when she did come down, she had a face full of mud. She looked strong. She was riding good, but she definitely hit the, hit the deck. Um, we spoke after the race, so in between the race and um, in between practice and the race, um, the women get to do one more quick little run before the men practice, just because they now in the proper time uh, in the pro- later in the day, so they can practice closer to the time. She was unable to do that one. She said she saw stars. So that kind of is alarming when a rider saying they see stars and they are still like considering to do a race run. Um, But anyway, went down to the bottom, had a headache. They went to see a doctor and it's a ski doctor. So it's not just a doctor that's going to say... Blank yes, no. It is a doctor with experience in sports and high-impact sports, and their team has... Uh, they do all the concussion protocol testing, and they have benchmark or benchline board... Um,
0: Be- baseline. baseline,
1: baseline. <laughs> bench, line. bench racing. Um, and he said, well, we're not going to make the call now. She didn't do that other practice run. Um, we're going to wait till you do your warm-up if you choose to race, and then Pom Pom was hadn't decided right just before um, they go up. She decided okay I'm going to do my warm up, see how I go. Um, did a warm up and they kept doing the the testing. I'm not sure what testing they're doing. And uh, she chose to to race. Um, and my only worry is, is, is like all oh, these riders being like, f- do they feel they have to race? Um, we saw De Prela that that raced um, after quite soon after a big crash and then he had another crash at and he, and he still chose to race and then he won so we could say yeah uh, yeah good decision but is it and uh, and I don't want to say you've got to take the decision away from the riders and away from the teams but um, it does worth exploring further and and they you know she didn't have any concussion symptoms she did hit her head but uh, so anyway so she said she was actually ecstatic she said she's never been so happy for a second place. Um, she didn't think she was going to race, but in the end she was able to and cleared by a doctor as well. So,
0: I mean, she should be ecstatic. I mean, it's great for the season. Um, it's good to hear that they are seeking out, you know, professional advice or doctors that are maybe from outside the industry, but more experience. I've done those baseline tests. Um, I think that is a positive thing, but I think, The short of it is we need to outsource that. Other industries outsource it because athletes will put unconscious pressure on themselves by riding for these big teams or like, okay, if I can just get down the hill, I'm going to maybe get a top five, which is good for the overall, which is good for my contract renewal, which is good for my job. You must remember this is not a guarantee. These contracts normally come in two-year cycles, and if you're in a second-year cycle, that's the year you want to hopefully perform for a renewal or a raise. So I think teams mostly are very good about it. They support their riders. I've been on teams that have supported me, but I've also been supported in a year um, and then not had a renewal. So, I mean, they're obviously going to not want you to race, but if you don't have results, you ain't getting renewed. So it's like catch-22. So... Having it, I um, mean, maybe we can work on this moving forward because maybe this is where uh, the sport can go. Is as it grows, it needs to be, more systems need to be put in place. So, yeah, great thing to bring up and uh, awesome for her. I'm glad they, they took their time and and then she didn't have another crash, thank goodness. Yeah, But she was riding well and she was as strong as we thought she would be. And I think um, Vali... I just think that's what happens when you also qualify fastest. She's so good, she's going to put herself in that position. Same as Loic. You have one goal once you qualify fastest, and that's to win. Yeah. That is to win, and everyone else goes to bed going, alright, where can I find some more time? When you're qualifying fastest, now I haven't qualified fastest, but I've qualified you know, top five, and I'm thinking cool. like You're not forced to go get crazy amount of speed. You know yeah. the speed's there, but Cammy might go, cool, i got to push everywhere a little bit more, and she comes in with a little less pressure on her shoulders and can ride freer. And Valley's unfortunately, she's going to go through this because she's so good. It's not a failure. She yep. had a great run. She didn't blow it. Good points. Move on. It's awesome.
1: So, Valley, um, it was quite funny. The There's a nice little rivalry, a friendly rivalry, and even in the banter back and forth um, between Valley and Cammy, um this morning on Instagram. But Valley, she said she was going for it in her quali. She really went for it and she like almost lost in front of us before the rock dropped, but she just got a swap on and and just muscled it out. And then it was quite funny because she took the quali and then Pom Pom said to her, she said, I didn't think you could go that fast, which is like... It's like a nice backhanded compliment, so, um, you know. So I don't know if it's people getting into their heads. And then, interestingly, we spoke earlier about changing lines um, between quality and race, and and a certain strength of rider can do that. Our, so Valier and and her coach Cecile Ravenel walked the course, and they made some decisions together to change certain lines. And now Valier's younger, less experienced she basically, at the end of the final, she said she blew all the lines she changed, you know. They were the correct choices to make to change those lines, but maybe she wasn't confident enough to ride them like she attacked in in a quali, you know. So, and then you start doubting, oh, I should just ride my old lines, but even if the old lines are slower, we'll blow. So I think, you know, Violet is literally still learning every... And she's, unfortunately for her, she's learning through all her mistakes, you know, um... You know, and I said, "Oh, it's I, I mistakenly because I think I know the facts." I said, "Oh, it's, at least it's a better start than last year when you hit the deck." And she said, "Sven, I got second last year when I crashed, and now I'm in fourth. And I was like, "Oh shit, yeah, <laughs> you, you didn't start as good as last year. I was uh, mixing it up with some of our other crashes." But um, so yeah, the you know that's just testament to the you know the mental fortitude they have to have. Um, yeah, uh. I mean, in in hindsight, is obviously the perfect science,
0: right? But um, that's the thing with lines. Yes, we had the stopwatches out there, and there were a few that we would tell a rider, "Look, your capabilities. You're gonna ride this inside. I'm not. We're not talking about it. Here's the fastest line. Here's the video, and here's the time. Like you take take it if you want to. Yep. But there are other lines. I promise you, Sven, They are so close, and people kind of overthink it. And I'm like. What line, I say to the right, what line you can hear in a rider's voice? Like, are you comfortable on that line or not? Yeah. Do you want to gain point 0.1 of a second and now doubt if you're going to make it through there consistently? Yeah, so for Valley, go maybe st- it's like, it was a winning formula. And you can make up more time by being more committed than changing lines unless it's a blatant. But what rider's on a blatant line that's like 1.5 slower? Like, well, that's not happening these days, Right.
1: Mano admitted to winning world champs and missing all his lines. And PD was but like, "What we, are you?" PD was like, "What are you doing on those lines?" Greg was because like, "Because he was so committed in going just at attacking speed, yeah." And and so and sometimes that's the secret. That's a secret. Like you need well,
0: to be going the fastest from A to B at the bottom, whether you're hitting
1: your lines or not.
0: Whether you're hitting your lines, you can't be on blatantly terrible lines. And we'll get to that on, on Umri, But we're also missing Tane is she's, creeping back to her best. She's happy. So sh- there's more competition. So Vali last year might have got second or third with that run. But now Tane's back. Yeah. She's healthy. And look at you can. She's, like, quietly confident. Like, she, you hear how she talks about Portugal. Like, a little surprise
1: she's going that fast already. Yeah. Well, she's had some shoulder, neck, nerve issues. Yeah. Um, Fatigue issues. So the fact that she's in the mix, and the the nice thing with the um, with the ladies that they they were trading splits. There was going the whole the last four four of them. The, it was just greens and reds all all over the show. They all had some greens and they all had some reds. So um, it's nice to see that there's four of, well not just four but the four that were trading trading splits um, this weekend. And uh, and when Marines fully 100% which she isn't yet she would add just one more to to that mix and and the same thing for for Nina she she's had so many big crashes as we've seen more recently you know that she just wanted to have a solid run and she wa- she just wanted to finish a run in a weekend without a solid crash and she had a big crash in qualifiers um, and uh, so she's for her, it's a victory, but it's a sort of a bittersweet one because she's not happy with her position or her time. She doesn't care about her position, was her time. And she knows, though, she's got that solid run under the belt. Yeah, so, uh, uh, you know, at the moment, as exciting as the men's is, it's like women's XC the last couple of years has been more exciting than the, than the men's, you know? I think it's awesome, it's in a great place. And yeah, uh,
0: Marina was obviously working with him this week and it's not just the big injury she had in the off-season, she also was nursing like a thumb issue this race. So she was smart about it, she didn't go hard in quali knowing she probably only has one good run in her or she just wants to you know, put down a calm run, the way she describes it. And uh, she was very happy with that. Of course she wants more, of course she can get more. But um, sometimes that's unfortunately a little bit of experience that she has now shows, okay, well, I'm not going to fight for something that maybe isn't my race, even though it's a home race in France. So she's showing a lot of experience there. So that was, that was great. And like you said, it's going to be a really good season because, you know, once Marine is healthy and fully confident, Tane is basically there, I think, after this run. You know, she's on a 320. She's only 0.9 back. Yeah. It's bloody well almost a win already. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's great to see. Um, it's uh,
1: talking about Tane, um I know this is a race podcast, but these days, like nearly all my work goes to social media. You know, ninety percent of my shots are probably seen on people's phones, um, not in a magazine or not on a full full page. But Tanya did a post with her her new bike and a new kit. The amount of comments interaction. You can't believe it. He's
0: probably outshining. She's outshining. No, she.
1: I'm going to say she is the most valuable out of all the Daniel races. She's possibly has the most power. We're going to call it power. And uh, how she's not getting like an outside the industry, whether it be uh, people going to like. Well, I mean, depends who's
0: looking no, no. at the poster. Like, wh- what no, product but is she going to promote? She, she gonna has
1: – she's from promoting to everyone. No, no, no. She's promoting to everyone. She has a following of guys and girls in the industry. Um, yes, girls um, in the industry and outside the industry. If she doesn't get some and, – and I'm this is probably going to get knocked because I was saying, like, a makeup sponsor just because she's a girl makeup sponsor or you know she already has car deals but she's going to transcend the industry and, and she's going to be one of the first athletes there's a couple um out there that are doing more like you know like danny mccaskill kind of stuff but she has a hell of a lot of power and her riding backs it up um yes yeah, it's, it's pretty pretty cool to see the you know you, you can be and do both
0: yeah, I think there's a time and a place and I think she's doing it well and she's aware of it. We spoke about it on a podcast when I mm-hmm. interviewed her. It was actually a really good chat.
1: Um, yeah, she just posted once. And she's
0: open about it. Like She's not hiding from the fact that it is important and uh, she obviously enjoys it as well. She's authentic on it mm-hmm. and some riders don't enjoy it and whether that's good or bad, they want to race their bike, they might not want to deal with it. So it's an interesting time and I just hope the you know the sponsors – and the industry doesn't put too much pressure on that side, so that she can focus on racing. If it's which clearly is still her passion and her skill set, you know.
1: I think I'm um, need to hit her up. I'll be her agent, and I'm going to bring her some some big outside the industry money.
0: Do it. I think you should, and and maybe that's where the sport does start going. We've obviously I don't know if the listeners have heard grumblings, but that's maybe where this discovery deal, done correctly transcends mountain biking core demographic and starts going mainstream. Because when I'm watching this race and I'm getting texts from mates that I've been on a snowboard trip, they don't ride. One or two in the group ride. And they're like, Lords is starting. And then I send a video like in the finish and they're like, no yeah. way you're there. I'm like, you have no idea. They're like, these races are insane. I'm like, it's it's mental. And then yeah. they're like, coming from you, we think it's mental, but do you think it's mental? I'm like, the sport is progressing every race and every year so I have no doubt that done correctly this sport can transcend downhill skiing in the winter like that sports great to watch right if you're yeah. not even a skier you're like wow that's exciting yeah, but everyone's ridden a bicycle so they a can bicycle relate. and then you're like but he's going over this rock and root and he's going over this jump and then he's crashing the turn like downhill skiing is amazing right yeah. but you don't really want to see crashes because it's horrific right yeah. And it's the same guy, like you know, it's millimeters that they're changing, and it's just white snow, right? And yep. yes, I'm biased, but I'm thinking mainstream people that don't ride a bicycle can start getting behind the sport if it's in you know on their televisions, you know, more regularly, like the Grundig
1: days. Well, I think what, what we what we need there's there's tons of things we need. Um, for starters, the teams and riders need a voice in any forward decisions, um, which I don't think they have uh, enough of right now. So they need to get their shit in a pile and have a collective voice and help shape the direction. Don't let it get shaped by another entity. Um, but more importantly, I think the only thing f- from us as viewers, and, and you guys listen to the show, what like, we get to see everything the whole weekend, and there's lots to see. And we do get a few little highlight shows. But, you know, I miss those days of, like, Dirt TV when the Parkins would do, like, you know and then they work for Red Bull TV where you're almost seeing the day's story unfold in a 10 minute like webisode. So I think it would be great to see more. And even if some of it's pay per view or all of it's pay per view, if you're a core fan, yeah, love, they form all the qualifying runs. Why can't we see them? Um, why can't we get like same day like all the action that happened on practice and stuff? Like, like, deliver? I know they're trying to pump their live feed, but let's see more of it. Let's see more junior racing, let's see more women racing. Then they, you have. The protected woman. Nina gets protected because she crashes in qualifying, yet she doesn't come on the live feed because they put the protected woman like at the end and they didn't include him with the live feed woman. It's like and then she has the sits in the hot seat for a long time and no one's ever seen her run. Um I can't I don't know if Cade's run was on the live feed um or not, but I'm maybe thinking it wasn't, and he was on the hot seat for hours. So anyway, lots to unpack, but like you said, there is talks. Um and the interesting thing that I can share, and I still don't know actually his position or, or how he's been involved in the decisions, but Chris Ball from the Enduro World, World Series, um, he was here this weekend, and Discovery, own in I'm not sure which company exactly, but through Discovery and that whole parent group, they own... I could also be wrong on this, like 49% of the EWS, they bought that a year or two ago.
0: Just so everyone knows these are Sven's opinions, <laughs> yeah. I am cannot be held accountable no, no, this for is... any of this.
1: So basically, <laughs> to back it up, 10 years ago, Chris was the technical delegate, the Daniel technical delegate at the UCI and did an amazing job, well respected by all the riders and teams. He was a get shit done kind of guy and he would do all the course maintenance as well as the scheduling. So he was, w- since he left the UCI, we didn't have a replacement in Daniel looking out for the Daniel's rights. They, we had uh, technical delegates and course people that were in charge of the course, but we never had that link between the course and the UCI. Chris used to be in that position and he actually left the UCI because he had made a number of suggestions and he was formulating the idea of doing enduro racing for the UCI as well as in making certain decisions which couldn't, Basically, that's why he left. He he couldn't kind of... He wasn't happy with things were going, but I I can't speak for him. Ten years later, he's developed and run a hugely successful series, and by chance or by fate, it looks like he might be involved in some way, shape, or form in the future of Downhill. um, And, yeah, it's quite frustrating for all of us because the future is... We're talking about next year, but we have no idea how it's going to change, and there's murmurings of... R- more races up in the teens but i don't know how the teams can afford that you know if you're having 13 14 and there's talk about daniel snow races there's talk about cutting the size of the field now so these are all the rumors. rumors these are all rumors because these keep are it going. yeah this is but what I, what, I, what great. I am what i am happy to see cuz prior to this coming into the race i was like who's going to be making these decisions on the daniel because it looked like the UCI are wanting less control of the actual events. They want to show up as commissars and between the local organizer and whoever the new person, um, whether that be Discovery or, or Chris Ball, or I don't even know if that is the case. But I am leaving this race this weekend quite relieved and happy because I know Chris's thought processes of of... Basically, his last ten years, and, and I can respect, and I know he looks out for the the riders, their safety, the sport, and uh, and obviously, and delivering the sport. So, uh, so that's for me a bit of relief. But we still, um, I feel like there's a lot of vested interests, particularly the riders themselves. They need to have a bit more of a say. Yeah, in, and maybe in this in the is future.
0: the time. You know, um, change is coming. Change can be a good thing, and
1: be a part of the change.
0: Yeah, and I and I think, with no malicious intent or wrongdoing, there's a bit of a disconnect currently the way the systems run. Um, it's just how it's been, and everyone's been trying to, to push the sport forward, and it has. It's an incredible place. They're doing incredible jobs. This is no negative to the current uh, system, but I think overall, little you know, run around the pits, it's mostly positive about the potential for the future. I don't think a lot can change and will change for next year because it's so, you know, it's around the corner. You can't go from seven, eight
1: races to 12 or 13, 14.
0: people should maybe just think that realistically maybe not a lot will change in negative or positive because it's, yes, it's a new thing and it's going to take some time. But hopefully overall, if everyone can look out for the greater good of the sport, which I think we're lucky. If if what you're saying is correct, Chris Ball has great experience on multiple different levels, from race series to UCI. He kind of knows how these systems work. And I think he will look out for everyone's best interest as much as he can. So what that's a that? good thing. He's like a mountain biker at heart as well.
1: Yeah, well, he's a past World Cup downhill racer, yeah. which, you know, when last have we had that heading up I think Johan, was it Engstrom? We had, a, we actually did have someone at the UCI for a little bit, but I think he moved over to the BMX side. But you know what? We haven't spoken about Andrew. We haven't even spoken about Al and Finn and the Men's Race.
0: No, we. I'm. I'm a host. We'll get there. I'm oh, sorry, not going to let you run out the well, door. Well, I've got to fucking drive seven hours. We, we got to get talking. Hey, and I got to f- get a flight. So you and guys People don't um, want to listen
1: to us this long?
0: No, probably not. So, um, well, you wanted to freaking throw down the rumor mill, which I'm sure people are interested about. So, um, what's the rumor? But no, no. Well, the oh, that some of the grumblings. Oh no, we the, we want to know.
1: Yeah, I mean, shit, we got to know. I got to book flights. I got to get hotel rooms. <laughs> Uh, we've got
0: to book another podcast studio. All right, we're coming to you live from Lords. We haven't finished the show. We haven't forgotten about the men. We forgot about some of the women. But uh, let's jump straight into it. So I'm coming off first-hand information. I don't know if Loic's going to want me to share this, but Loic wanted to win. Loic, we talked about him in the preview show. I had a sneaky suspicion that pre-race didn't mean shit to him, and it didn't. No. Because he's experienced, he knows it's maybe tough to always raise his game. Uh, subconsciously, you don't want to get hurt at a pre-race. No, and well, like Amory has. Yeah, and amari knows one speed. He wants to win. He wants that's his style. That's great. We need that. It's incredible. It's incredible. I wish it's I had that. Unbelievable I to watch. I, I, I just never did. So I don't think it's sustainable. It. It's it's a it's a Duprela tactic or strategy, and it's different to Loic. I would bet that Loic has maybe more longevity and more shots at the title yeah. because now De Prilis crashed out at the first round. That yeah. hurts him for points. Yeah. If he starts racking off some wins, maybe it helps, but he's got to get past Loic, he's got to get past Umri. he's got to get past
1: Finn. And Kuladis, no one's going to get past Kulanis. He's going to be on every bloody Klon. podium. So <laughs>
0: that was awesome to see. But uh, I think Loic, it's kind of similar to Valli. Incredible qualifying run, methodical. Um, You know what's interesting? These guys are always trying to improve. So he walked the course after qualifying fastest. That's impressive. That shows you that the track still has those tricky bits. Maybe he could have just got something out. Another thing to note is we know how much testing he does with Jack. We know um, how well they set the bike up clearly, but they take risks. They made a change before race. Uh, bike change. Bike change, suspension. They're always trying to gauge what the speed's going to be like at race pace, what the dirt's going to be like. Mm. It's, it is F1 out there. So they, like in motocross, I always hear these guys, oh, we, we went the wrong way with the suspension. I'm like, dude, it's a bloody motorbike. Like, what does one click do? Yeah. But it does because he's saying they might have gone too stiff. Yeah. Just with a few clicks here and there, and what that means is it's maybe a little bit harder to ride. It's maybe faster in bits. But down the bottom to hang on to it is tougher. So he might have not been had the bike as settled or physically it knocked him a bit. And maybe that was the little difference. So they're always, I think it's fascinating. Yeah, for I sure. I think it's fascinating and so cool maybe for the listener to hear like these guys, even after f- last practice on race day, he's going to make a change and not have ridden it because he thinks it's going to make him faster.
1: You know who didn't walk the course after qualifying,
0: uh, Amery.
1: <laughs> that was a softball question. So
0: I wouldn't have done it if so, I was Loic. But so
1: no, no no, 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 like, no. You got to, you got to you wreck your legs. Everyone, like, I don't no. know if
0: you get that much out of it, man. Like send, send the course guy up with a freaking video camera and be like, oh, this rut's fucked. Like w- save your legs.
1: When Loic had come from some other race, we had that massive hematoma, and he couldn't even walk. Harder, I think he might have won Lenzharder or oh, that was even last year I can't remember but he did good but Loic did course walks. not this is before training do you remember Loic he sent a GoPro uh, FaceTime he did a FaceTime course walk so before his first training run at Harder last year he'd never set foot on the track and there were a fair amount of changes but his cuz he couldn't he couldn't walk he, he didn't know if he could ride um so that was quite Interesting, he did a course walk via FaceTime. But uh, al last practice run of the day, um, he never takes his foot off in corners. The last berm after the whoops, he unclipped um, and his coach and team were, were up on that last turn and they're like, oh, he never unclips, why did he do that? And sure enough, going off that sender to the finish line, he didn't manage to get his um, foot back in the pedal, Um possibly because he's not running Crankbrother pedals because Crank brother's pedals, you can put your foot in down, forward, back, so he would have been clipped you in. You heard it here first, man. Okay, <laughs> so um, anyway, and he sent it to the bottom and did kind of like Rachel and, and completely mashed his foot with his foot not clipped in, so his foot kind of slipped off the back and hit the ground on that sender to the finish line. Um,
0: Dude, imagine he had cranked brothers' pedals. He might have won by like five seconds because he wouldn't have wrecked his ankle.
1: Or he might have crashed because he didn't have a dicky ankle and he would have walked the course and changed lines. very good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, everything he, has a knock-on effect in life. Yeah, it's like a butterfly flapping its wings in Brazil. Um, anyway, Omri literally did five hours of physio on his foot off on, on Saturday um, afternoon. Um, I heard he was
0: pissed, like he was he thought he's thrown away disappointed. and it's like g-
1: again beginning of the year.
0: And I've heard from some close sources like they haven't seen a rider that just wants to win at all costs like this for a while. Yeah. And, and, and he's not really accepting anything but a win now that he's healthy.
1: And uh, And maybe it's now because he didn't expect the win here. So come race day, he does a does a uh, practice run. And he said his second practice run, his foot was still sore. Um, they'd done huge, they made huge inroads. He said his second practice run, he didn't think or feel his foot. He said he, it was fine. Basically, you, the adrenaline kicks in and, and I'm sure there's some kind of painkillers they're using or mm-hmm. not. I don't know. Um, anyway, race run, uh, as we said, he went in, he got offline, hit a soft rut, almost stacked it just like pom pom, rode the front, got it out, lost the carry speed that you t- said was so important. He th- he was pissed with himself and he said he had to go hard because he wanted to salvage a top 10 in points. So this is, he knew that he had not, he had made a big enough mistake in an important carry speed section that he thought he'd be out the top 10. Um, and then he just blew barn doors and he was, he went first, seventh, first, first at the splits. I mean, full second, seconds. a full second he lost.
0: Easily. I mean, if you didn't make a mistake and you chose to do that line, I think we're talking point 0.8 anyway, right? So I messed up and was forced onto the outside line, which wasn't working. And then
1: rode the front end. Yeah, so,
0: but that sometimes is the little thing, like it spurs you on. And like you say, then he just attacked all the way to the finish. So when I saw that line, I couldn't see on the live feed properly that it was a mistake that pushed him there because I was blown yeah. away. I was like, there's no way this guy's going to win this race choosing that line when he started just getting the okay. splits down the bottom. I'm saying to, like, Brendan, I'm like, this guy has cho- – there's no ways he chose that line. And then yeah. I was like, no, he made a mistake. I was like, oh, I couldn't really see. So um,
1: See, these are maybe – we just talked about Discovery and Red Bull. Like, there's been a lot of times in Red Bull, and, and it's the logistics of showing a live run. You can't show the whole course. And obviously, it's. but it always sucks for the viewer because you don't see what and what caused the problem. And on some yeah, tri- and it's hard to get know, the perfect yeah. you can, you angle can't. of all like otherwise, sections. And know? otherwise, you would be having like five or ten minute gaps between riders, and and you know that that doesn't work either because then the, the weather conditions can change too much. But um, yeah, so there there you know there he bloody goes.
0: There he bloody goes. Yeah, I mean, I just the the atmosphere at the finish, man, was insane. And. Finn almost did it. Bloody well almost did it. So, And uh, you had a good chat to him as well yeah. afterwards. And it seems like he's maturing. He didn't try beat Loic. He just tried to put his run down. He seems to be like mature about the future and, and what he needs to do as well.
1: I think it's the way the season ended as well. He's proved the last two races he can qualify and back up the qualifier because he has had really good qualifiers for a number of years and then not backed up. Um you know, and it, and the pressure of... of we talked about being the B rider or, the, you know, the pressure for Armory of being the A cell team, you know, but yet again, Dorval took the team award from them, which is like, you know, with a win with Armory and a second from Pom Pom, they still didn't even get the team overall because Dorval has depth, you know. They have the third rider that did well. Unfortunately, Deprela didn't get enough points for the team. And then with Finn, um, <laughs> the internet's like, yeah, finally, for the first time, Finn's beaten Loic. But no, he's beating him more than five times at, at World Cups. So it's it's not a first. And it, he didn't just beat him for the first time without some one of them having a, a, a crash. Um, but the kid is like strong, mature, is he's actually thoughtful, he's pensive, but then he also has that little bit of like cocky hunger attitude and swagger, I'll say. Um, even just watching again, like, what he put out in the off-season riding this little en- Enduro trail and, and what he, like, did this triple at one of these home trails at home that's like not doable and, and, you know, there's no lip and it's wet and then other guys build up the lip and then they can barely do it, you know. So, I don't know, just seeing what level him and Omri risk in the off-season riding their bikes incredibly fast, you know, come to the first race, it doesn't feel sketchy to them.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, I I do think that cockiness is still there, but he seems to be managing it at least to the outside, which is good. Yeah, and I think it's it's helping him focus on what he should be, and that's getting down the hill as as fast as he can. And Loic for sure doesn't want to get beat by him. Yeah. So I think this is a good motivation for Loic going ahead. But Loic had a great weekend. You know, it's not a f- it's tough when you qualify fastest and you know you can win and you get third. He didn't blow it. He no. didn't just crash out. But he's you know? so. But he still has never
1: won in France. But he
0: hasn't, and that's another thing. He left the breakfast table, and like, I hope it's okay. Maybe you listen to it, maybe you don't. We know Greg listens to this, which we can <laughs> also get into. So shout out to Greg Minai. He said he listened to a little bit, but Sven reckons he listened to the whole thing.
1: Greg said he just scanned ahead, like just skimmed it. But I, I know he listened to everywhere. Yeah, no, I mean, he Greg did, he knows, did everyone's say a
0: race fan. If you can like pick up a little bit of info or get pissed at us because we said you weren't going to be on pace at the first race due to my past factual that i looked at i want him to be fast but it's freaking tough for him it's tough for him i think as he gets older to lift his game you know like these young guys do so early in a season so there's that but um
1: i think for greg greg only getting 16th with someone that's had that many world cup wins in the current rainbow jersey to everyone else that looks like a fail to him what he dealt with this weekend i think that's quite a respectable result, a very respectable result. Yeah,
0: he didn't have great prep like here. And I do think it's not a true reflection. Greg will be one of the guys. I mean, this is dangerous for everyone for Fort William. He's going to Fort William next. So he's got good vibes there. And like you said, there's more to meets the eye than 16th. There's more depth. There is the lack of practice. And someone like him maybe considering everyone else was doing pre-races and testing maybe a bit more than him. Uh, he probably needed a few more runs to, like, gauge his speed and it just yeah. wasn't going to happen. But I think Danny needs a good mention. We mentioned him in the pre-show. Like, that's a great start. Yes, it's six and not a podium. What did we- he do
1: in the top? Because I didn't I didn't watch Danny's run on the live feed, but he made a balls up at the top.
0: Either, yeah, balls up, but we didn't get to see a lot of that on the live feed. Yeah, it was he's two one of the slowest top sectors, you know. so two seconds you, off at the top, you, you know. You can't make that back. Yeah. Yeah, so that, that definitely I mean he clawed him. back a lot to get yeah. back in the mix. I didn't talk to him directly about that mistake because we didn't get to see it. Reese seems like pleasantly happy, you know, with a seventh. It's a good start. And um I think like you said, Vidal needs a huge, huge shout out. That's a that's a big result there. Eighth.
1: He's he's uh he's one of the kids that uh I love watching ride and, and just in general in the pits. It's kind of like a little bit like Cade, but where Cade does all the crazy million different bike skill things, he has that that um, you know it's almost like the kid's got ADD or or he just can't sit still. It, it's um, and these riders they find a way to channel those like that that excitement and the and it, and his developing skills. Also, um, being coached by Cecile. Um, and we thought he was just a you know a, a good junior enduro world champion, um, but a couple of other enduros: Martin Mays, uh, uh, Conor Fioren on a one hundred and fifty-four millimeter rear travel bike. Conor Fioren. It's only
0: one fifty-four mil. I thought it was one
1: seventy. The rear is one fifty-four. I also thought Martin's was more in the vicinity Did of one seventy.
0: Martin in practice?
1: Martin was phenomenal. Like no, it, I
0: honestly thought the opposite. I I was I must have just. Caught him on, like, off sections. I was like, oh, that's Martin on the Obeya. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's great. That's cool. I'm like, okay. And then he qualifies, like, 17th or something. Yeah. And I was like, well, that's... But Martin Mays, to me, is, like, he's a bike racer. Yeah. Like, he's in just, like, he's got to race it. Like, when he rocked up at Seattle and he's like, oh, this is slalom. How how does it work? How does slalom work? (laughs) I'll just win it as well. So, to me, it's like... He might not look the best in practice, or you might not look flashy, yeah. but he can get from A to B hullishly quickly if the you know, like when the stopwatch is on. So yeah. that was pretty cool, definitely. Yeah. And then elephant in the room. And I think again, like Greg, there were some other influences which people might say, Well, that's a lot more excuses. But Gwyn's leaving here scratching his head, even though I saw the crash he had from the top, to me that was one of those crashes. On my side If I'd had that crash You literally get up And you're like I hate this sport I hate this sport I'm done with it Like it was nasty It came out of nowhere He landed Sort of like he basically like swan-dived head and hands first down like a rock section at pretty good speed out of nowhere. Like he went to set up and the back will just like flicked on some gravel. Is this the one in training? Yeah, before? the one in training and then at high side back and it just like spat him over the front, like yeah. lawn darted down these rocks. Yeah. Just and you just like, it was like watching a train wreck. And I was like, oh, that's not good. And he took a long time to get back up. He's on the side of the track you know, looking at the bike and he didn't just ride off that quick. Yeah. So that definitely doesn't matter what ride you are, that knocks your confidence. And um, it's sometimes tough to come back from that. And I know he's developing the bike and, and all these other things, but it's also a tough pull to swallow when Dakota's put in a good run.
1: Yeah, but it, it also does tell us that the, the, the you know, Dakota's put in better runs at World Cups. but I'm, um, you know, I, I think the bike, Seems to be working. The bike looked good under them uh, visually, and uh, I just think they just got it a little bit too late.
0: Well, that's the other thing. Yeah, he was exactly. He's maybe we're going to know more by Fort William and Leo Gang. It's a lot of time between. Yeah, now Fort, and Fort then. William is going to be we tracked out. Which would be more fair to make a gauge on the whole season? Is like let's let's talk after Fort William round two, because. I can't, we knew the Frenchies were going to give it. It's the same as when we were racing in South Africa earlier or Australia. Like the home country people are going to put that extra effort in. Yep. I knew I did. My training was ramped up, everything was optimized. Like that was my goal. Yep. So for sure, the Frenchies were always going to be sort of tough to beat there. Um, we've definitely probably missed a host of stuff, but that's, you know, that happens. So I don't know where else you wanted to go or anything you felt that had to be discussed.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, Omri's just got to be happy. You know, 2019 is a long time ago, um, from his last one. Um, everyone's going to be recovered and back in the mix. I have a feeling Troy possibly won't even be back yet before Willem, which will, which could yeah, be don't a shocker. I think he will, which means Leo Gang, too. Um, I heard Andorra track is a whole new track, and there's a whole lot of controversy because it's. Basically, we can't finish in town anymore. where We were used to, and that track was amazing for that very reason. Um, and it's going to be a bit of a clusterfuck with the pits, nobody being nowhere near the finish so of the track. So
0: will it be maybe that older one which finishes I higher up the mountain?
1: Thought, I thought that, but apparently it's not even that one. So it's a couple of kilometers away from the pits. So they're going to have to have a little satellite toolbox pits at the end of the track. and. Um, which is a shame because Andorra always look forward to for that track. Um,
0: well, more importantly, like apart from logistics, if that's true, it might be a different style track and not as steep. So, but but we got to wait. But if it's true,
1: that. we maybe if they don't have a, the classic World Cup track ready for us, I, I I speak out of turn because when they did change the track, it was it went much better with what we currently. So I don't want to like shoot it down saying it's going to be shit when it might not be. But it would suck to take a backward step if there is a change, you know. Like, like Lebresse was a cool the the old school Lebresse race in the town was bloody amazing. Um, And then we went to the ski resort and it was good. But to me, the the Bresse in my mind is the one in the town, which was amazing. Um, So that's you know what what other stuff.
0: Well, um, I've been thinking a little bit about it, and it was. They might need to start re-looking at the scheduling. Maybe the junior need a, juniors need to race like the day before or start practice earlier so that we can open up some training for lifts that are slower. This chicks get a quick practice run before. It's like, you know, unfortunately the main event... concert can't say chicks, bro. The woman. You said chicks. Well, just we have had some feedback. I'll, I'll jump into an elephant. And we did poll the ladies and women and we are aware of and what? 22. 22. what you meant to say and not meant to say. We're not perfect. Crazy that. We thought we were perfect, Sven, but I guess we're not perfect. So we all.
1: referred to the women as ladies a couple of times last week. And, and women? Yeah, both. And then? And then some people in our audience. Um, which we're thankful for the feedback. Yeah, yeah. And we it's uh, a valid thing But then, to you understand. know, I was thinking, like, did we commit uh, something you can't do and I'm I, I, like I said, we we do, we love the feedback and, and we take it up. But then, just out of interest, we polled all the women and said, Do you mind being called girls or ladies or women? What do you prefer? And pretty much everyone said to me, I want to be called a girl because my mom's a woman, and, and so it's like, but our listener felt we were taking away from the power and all the accompli- accomplishments they've had that have made them such strong athletes and women Um, i
0: understand it and i wrote back and i was i thanks for the feedback i was like oh you know you're right but then i did listen back and say hang on we started with women ladies we understand the girls term i went on the google rant and um the opposite of guys is girls, so they don't want to be called girls. and then they're like you can also then go the opposite of guys is girls i'm like okay well that doesn't help my decision here and then you polled them, and like you said, a lot of them are happy and want to be called girls. So like we're damned if we do, damned if we don't in this day and age.
1: You said chicks a moment ago. I think that's that's a bit too far. But then when that's like dudes, it's not like, it's not demeaning. Dudes, chicks. I don't know. Hey, we can only try <laughs> try be better. But speaking of uh, juniors, yes, I oh, have been and thinking Canada. Look at France with all their idols. We had Stevie Smith. Who 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 pumped Mark Wallace and Mark Wallace pumped Finn and now look we had three connect two other wins in the junior yes. Jackson Goldstone and Gracie and by six seconds no less no
0: um, I saw that I think it's like we don't have all the time in the world it doesn't mean we don't want to cover them. Canada it back is on the important racing Canada back on the map but what I'm I'm liking to look at is the times you know sometimes it's like yeah we got a junior podium and and some of these juniors get the idea like the elite ranks are going to be easy. I'm like, have you looked at your time? But Jackson slotted into about 10th. Is it? So it's nice to see him creeping up, you know, like the likes of a Sam who could do a podium, a Brendan back in the day, you know, like these juniors that could mix it up. But every junior, I will say this, is going to develop at a different rate. Yeah. They might take two or three years once they get to elite and that's fine. So let's not be despondent with that uh, if some of them are listening. But also, let's also not just go, oh my God, you're a junior, we need to sign you. It's like, have we looked at the times? We're, just because there's a five-man podium doesn't mean...
1: Three-man podium, know, podium three, and juniors.
0: Oh, men. fair enough. Three-boys podium or what do we mean? they, what we they, they still s- boys. Are they still boys? they
1: can't drink in America, they're right, boys. <laughs> I
0: think this is probably Sven and I's cue to uh, wrap Kids. this up. They <laughs> could be my kid. <laughs>
1: For sure, they could be my kid. Dude,
0: half of the men's field could be your kid. <laughs> that is also true. I think I could almost have a kid in the men's field. Oh my god! No, this is this is good fun. And like I say, again, if you guys reach out, we do appreciate it. We might have taken the piss a bit, but I like the feedback. And I had a you know I chatted back to, to to the guy that wrote in, and I and I mostly agreed. But then I had to go back because he's like, you not once referenced them anything else than girls. I was like. There's no ways I did that And I went and re-listened to the thing And it's 1 hour 12 minutes Just so you know We start with women In the previous episode
1: still in my head Um, Andrew Get Chris Ball on the podcast next uh, For Fort William Uh, I
0: hope if if he's probably not listening but if he is i'd love that i um i'd love to understand more once uh, he can probably speak about it i would assume he's a pretty i'm sure he can speak about something
1: i'm sure he can speak about something
0: there we go well uh, reach out if you like that idea and then i'll show him all the messages that he's in high demand but guys this in case you didn't know has been the crank brothers race review it was obviously with me Sven, Martin, thanks so much for your time. He's a huge part of the scene, the World Cup, Uh, bringing you guys pictures on the riders' Instagrams, a lot of the websites. Without these guys not sleeping, I promise you, you've got to get to a World Cup once in a while, and and you'll see these guys at 8 a.m. or before going up for practice, coming down at 6 p.m. They're in the pits doing audio, and then they have to edit these pictures because it's the Internet, so everyone wants things yesterday. So, yeah, thanks so much to him. Crank Brothers has been adding to their product lineup. They've also got the shoes, which we spoke about. So, Cammy, one in the women's. Um, It's a great interface. So, guys, if you don't know about it, go on their website and and check it out.
1: Uh, Talk about Crank Brothers and winning uh, Cami winning bike. Um, Armory, everyone knows, is not a Crank Brothers athlete or rider. But if you should look very carefully... There is a Crankbrother's product on his bike. And uh, a random crank brother fact, which I was quite flabbergasted by because I'm like a creature of habit. And as most riders, their contact points, tires, um, grips, is you can change, I guess. Um, but for someone to change pedal-like interface this late in their career, or even though he's a junior, Jackson Goldstone, he switched brands through <laughs> trial and error, not, through fo- not being forced to, um, and I was extremely surprised to see him running Crankbrother Pedals this year. I think he was on Shimano before. And I was like, how can you – because that's a pretty major change to change that kind of – you know, you get used to something. And he said, yeah, he did it obviously in the off-season and it was extremely frustrating. Like when everyone changes anything, you fall over it because the release is different and, you know, whatever it is. And, um, yeah, his first race in Crankbrother Pedals.
0: Oh, there you have it there. But another side note to that is someone – as a creature of habit, Eddie Masters runs the shoes but on Shimano pedals. Yep. So it's not just one size fits all and just because you have the shoes, you have to have the pedals if you're at home and you're like, no, no, but I, I don't want to change. Like I really like my pedals. That's fine.
1: Yep. The shoes work just as well and I'm blown away by the shoes. Um, any more talk about Crank Brothers and I need to be getting a check too. Uh, Yeah, it'll
0: be in in the mail, Sven. I'll buy you a couple seven beers or coffees on the drive to the airport. Guys, we've done a a live podcast from Lords. We've uh, sort of snuck into a pretty nice, hopefully the audio is good for you. Oh, we're in the chapel. Side note, I do get the feedback. Uh, I guess I'm not perfect after all. I messed the sound up the last episode. But thanks for putting up with it and trying to listen to it. I'm going to do my best to always equalize the audio. It is my goal. But guys, you know what to do. If you have liked it, share it with a friend. Uh, Sven takes a lot of his own time to just come and sit and and give you more info. I end up editing this probably the whole 10-hour flight on the way back. Like, subscribe, reach out. You know what to do. Thanks very much.